Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Chronic Illness podcast. My name is Dr. Brian Reid, and I am a naturopathic doctor. And today I am not joined by a guest. Today I'm doing the uh, podcast episode myself. Um, I have some, um, I think, interesting subject matter to discuss, and so I'm excited to share that information with you today. Um, just before I get into the uh, nuts and bolts of the podcast, I just wanted to quickly invite you to sign up for my newsletter. Um, my my mailing list if you haven't done so already. Um, by joining my mailing list, you can stay abreast of the things that I'm excited about in practice um, and also get uh, regular updates about um, videos that I'm posting on social media, if I'm hosting live Q&A sessions, um, and just uh, giving uh, my mailing list members opportunities to give me input on subject matter they're interested in for uh, future podcast episodes. Um, things like that. Um, and then also by signing up for my newsletter, you also get uh, complimentary access to the first two component or first two first two modules rather of my overcoming chronic illness course. Um, just briefly, the course is a um, overview, um, an overview that gets into a fair bit of depth um, with all of the major topics that are oftentimes crucial to know about to unravel these incredibly complex cases of chronic illness that I deal with in practice. And I know many folks listening are likely suffering from whether it's uh, something with a label like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, or it's more of a, I don't have a label, but I have all these chronic crazy symptoms and I want to get rid of them. Um, and so the Overcoming Chronic Illness course talks about um, many of the I mean, the majority of all of the uh, major underlying factors and causes and possible treatment considerations and whatnot for dealing with um, basically making heads or tails, kind of navigating through that complex chronic illness. Um, so the course is designed, whether um, person listening or the caregiver of, you know, or, or, um, or the loved one of someone who's dealing with complex chronic illness wants to have a better understanding of what um, complex chronic illness is driven by, and, and again, some treatment options, testing options, things like that um, to learn more about it. Or um, it can also be um, useful for folks who are working with a clinician who maybe is you know specializing in one or two areas that are relevant to their case, but there's more than those one or two things going on. And they can pass the um, resources from this course onto that clinician that they're working with to help um, expand their knowledge and maybe start tapping into other, um, uh, exploring other areas that might be holding the case back. So for example, if say a patient's working with a clinician who knows a lot about SIBO and a lot about uh, chronic Lyme disease, let's say, but the clinician doesn't really know a whole lot about um, mold illness or doesn't know a whole lot about heavy metal related issues or doesn't know a whole lot about um, uh, mast cell activation syndrome or other histamine issues. Well, there are modules on all those things with uh, resource sheets that uh, can be passed on to the uh, clinician or they can you know, access the modules themselves or whatnot. So uh, anyways, if that uh, is something that is of interest to you, or you know someone who might be interested in that, um, please consider uh, signing up for the mailing list or um, or passing that information on to someone who might be interested in, in accessing that information. And uh, I'd be um, most pleased if uh, more folks can benefit from accessing that course. Um, so the sign-up link for the newsletter is in the show notes um, for if this podcast episode, or if you're watching this on YouTube, then um, the link is in the description below. So with all of that out of the way, um, today I want to talk to you about uh, what I call my um, healthy lifestyle habits or my healthy habits tip sheet. Um, I have this um, put together in a handout that I pass on to my patients at certain points in time when I want to relate to them some of the day-to-day -day lifestyle things that they can work with to help complement the other treatment 
uh, facets of treatment that we're working with. So uh, the time I might bring this up would be when we have you know, the mold illness protocol in place, or we have the chronic infection protocol in place, or we have the mitochondrial support protocol in place. We have these things in place and we're waiting for them to you know, do all the work that we want them to do. It can of course take, you know, several weeks, sometimes several months, sometimes, you know, a year or two, or sometimes more to, you know, completely navigate our way through the complex chronic illness quagmire um, that is the case for some folks. Um, and um, as such, once we have these pieces of the puzzle in place, there are certain day-to-day or week-to-week lifestyle things, um, et cetera, that can be implemented that can be, I think, really helpful to speed things along that I've seen um, act in a helpful way in, in with many of my patients. And the other re- um, time that I bust out the um, healthy lifestyle tidbits um, handout is when uh, patients are feeling a lot better. Um, you know, they've they've got through the lion's share, if not all of the chronic illness issues that they've been having, and now they're going to go forward and prosper. They are going to, you know, live their life to the fullest. And, and many of them want to be as healthy as possible because they know how terrible it is being sick and they don't want to get back there again. And of course, there are no guarantees in life, but some of these uh, tidbits can be quite, uh, in my opinion, helpful and important to keep us as healthy as possible and hopefully ward off future um, illness issues. So as per usual, nothing that I'm saying should be construed as medical advice. This is for informational purposes only. And if you need medical advice, please talk to your healthcare provider to get that advice. Um, with this handout, it, I am going to screen share in just a minute. And this is the handout that I pass on to my patients. So it does talk about um, some frequencies of treatment and you know durations of treatment and things like that. So there are actually tangible recommendations within this handout. Um, I do want to make it abundantly clear that um, I'm not passing this on as advice. It's really, again, more just for informational purposes and the specifics around this, I would always tailor to my uh, I would always tailor the advice for my patients. Um, so if these are things that you're looking at and you're thinking, oh, I think I would like to incorporate that into my life, um, please do talk to your healthcare provider about making these modifications. Um, and um, in, in any event, um, please do not take this as any type of medical advice because I'm not giving you medical advice through this um, through this podcast. So just going to quickly share my screen. Oh, great. Yes. Um, more awkward drinking um, fluid during uh, the podcast um, when I'm not actually interviewing somebody with those natural pauses. So uh, anyone just listening, just uh, need a little hydration break there. Okay. So without further ado, um, healthy daily habits to consider. Now, if you are listening to this and not watching it on YouTube, um, if you go to my YouTube channel, which is Halifax Naturopathic Doctor, um, then you can see the screenshots or the uh, the video recording of the handout. And um, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to post the PDF um, or a link to the PDF in the show notes. Um, but uh, you can see this if you decide to go to the YouTube video and I'll, I'll read through uh, the, the different uh, 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 bits of health advice so you can listen to it. But if you want to actually see it, please uh, visit the YouTube channel. So number one is um, focus on your breath. I mean, these are not in any particular um uh, orders of importance per se. Um, and quite frankly, when I'm going through this with my patients, I'll kind of tailor it, like once again, tailor it to say, well, these are the things that might be the most helpful for you. Or maybe they're already doing things that I feel are 
maybe going to bring them similar benefits to what are uh, mentioned here in the handout. So, um, you know, may or may not be applicable to everyone. But um, anyways, again, not in any particular order of importance, but uh, the first one is focus on your breath. So this is a really simple breathing exercise. Um, it uh, invokes something called the relaxation response. Um, we've all heard or maybe otherwise know that things like, um, you know, deep, breathe, deep breathing and meditation and whatnot are um, associated with a lot of different health benefits. Uh, we know that when folks are in more of a parasympathetic state, so kind of more of a rest and relaxation state, then it is quite tonified for our mitochondria. It's just helps to counterbalance the, um, the rat race, the, you know, hamster on a wheel kind of, um, society that we often, many of us find ourselves in. Hopefully those of you listening, maybe are not in that kind of scenario, but I know a lot of you probably are, cause I know I certainly am. And many, many folks, uh, seem to be, um, so doing things to help, uh, uh, support our parasympathetic nervous system parasympathetic nervous system can be really helpful. Um, so this relaxation response, I really love this because it's such an easy thing for folks to do and it doesn't require any, you know, in-depth training. It doesn't require, you know, doing yoga classes, not nothing against yoga, but just, it, it's very, very simple. Um, and so the way it works is, um, uh, if I was going to do this uh, or recommend it to my patients, um, as it says here in the notes, just basically breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth slowly and methodically, um, at least five times focusing on the breath while doing so. Um, and basically what this does is, um, it, um, by, by doing this, it, forces a person to focus on just one thing as opposed to focusing on the myriad of things that are oftentimes flying at us um, throughout the course of a given day. Now, um, as it also says here, ideally, you know, one would do this, say, two to 10 minutes per day um, just to make more of a practice out of it. But even doing it, say, five times would be better, in my opinion, than doing it zero times. Um, as it says here on the handout, the pro tip is um, multitask and do this. Uh, one can do this when they first wake up or while they're falling asleep at night. Uh, for me, you know, super busy, very, very busy practice. I have three kids, um, have, you know, extracurricular activities that I enjoy doing lots of side projects, um, including, uh, hosting a podcast. Um, and I, I don't, um, set aside time in my waking hours to do this, but when I'm falling asleep at night, or if my kids wake me up in the night or something, and I'm working to fall back asleep, that's, that's when I'll do this. Uh, so I kind of multitask with that. Um, ideally I'd set aside five minutes a day or 15 minutes a day to do some deep breathing at some point when my kids are bigger, I may find time to do that, but it is something that one can just multitask with. And um, a lot of these things um, that I'm going to mention coming up here, the, the the 10 healthy lifestyle habits, this is number one of 10, um, uh, can, many of them can be multitasked. Okay. So number two is go outside. Um, I interviewed uh, Carrie Bennett, uh, her handle being Carrie B Wellness. If you haven't checked out that previous podcast episode, it was maybe two or three podcast episodes ago. Um, it's really worth a listen. I'm checking her out on social media. She's primarily on Instagram, um, but her information is fantastic. And she talks a lot about why it's so important to uh, get sunlight exposure. Um, I believe she also talks about the importance of getting infrared exposure, which we get through sunlight. So not only for vitamin D benefits, but also getting the infrared exposure as well. Um, and so the, so it's pretty simple trying to spend at least five minutes outside, um, not on an electronic device, ideally, um, preferably in sunlight to get the benefits of the various sun's rays. Um, and ideally, you know, as it says here in italics, doing this for 10, 15 to 45 minutes daily would be ideal. Um, and bonus points, if you can be near trees or the ocean or both, you know, a nice, uh, Oceanside Forest, which here in beautiful Nova Scotia, where I live, we do have those opportunities. I 
I'm sure they're, they're available elsewhere too. I just haven't spent a lot of time on other coasts, but um, we know that there are benefits to being um, close to the ocean, being in the forest. Um, there are probably many benefits to it, but as far as you know, modern day science has identified, to my understanding, some of the electromagnetic frequencies, like the beneficial EMFs that come from those uh, naturally occurring phenomena are really good for us. Um, to my understanding, there's also lots of um, electrons that float around in the forest just due to the nature of all the vegetation and whatnot. And that's something that, uh, to my understanding, is quite beneficial for our health too. So if we can be in the uh, around trees, be near the be near the ocean. That's great. But if you're living in a, um, you know, the urban jungle, you're in the middle of, you know, downtown Manhattan or something like that. Um, you know, even just being outside, getting that sunlight, um, you know, getting the freshest air possible. You know, probably fresher than inside of a building. Um, I think is something that can be really beneficial for for a number of reasons. Uh, number three is move your joints. Um, so there's this wonderful. Uh, system out there. It's called functional range conditioning or FRC for short. Um, my wife um, turned me on to this uh, some years ago and it's just, it's just awesome. Um, it's a pretty large system of movement and, you know, analyzing and optimizing human biomechanics, but there's an, an element of this called CARS, which is an acronym for controlled articular rotations. If you go on YouTube or some other um, social media platform um, or, or through through the website of the FRC folks, functional range conditioning folks, they um, you can see videos of folks doing cars. Um, I have some, there's some local clinicians here in my neck of the woods that I sometimes refer patients to, to get trained in doing this. Or, I mean, there are online courses that are available through the FRC website, or again, some folks just learn through watching the YouTube videos, but essentially um, it involves moving every major joint in the body through its full range of motion, at least one time um, in both directions, um, at least once a day, ideally doing three to five repetitions in each direction is ideal. Um, as it says here, bonus points, if you do it slowly and with control, um, not really the best um, just video set up here to kind of demonstrate this, but well, maybe, maybe I'll try here. Cause I guess I am on a corded microphone so it can still, still hear me and see me on the video. So for example, if I was going to do controlled articular rotation of my shoulder joint, um, then basically I'm doing like essentially just a big windmill with my arm. Um, there's kind of a little wrist turn at the top just to get the right kind of, um, uh, angulation or, or, uh, uh, mobility, if you will, of at that glenohumeral joint in my shoulder. And so basically just doing this big wind mill motion. And so that, that would be a controlled articular rotation of my shoulder joint, um, where I say bonus points for, uh, doing it slowly and with control. Um, what that refers to is that if I go at a very, very slow pace, so I kind of tight tense up all the muscles, um, you know, around my shoulder joint. So I have those muscles tense and actually ideally with controlled articular rotations, we keep tension through our entire body while moving any one given joint. So if I'm really tensing all my muscles, especially around my shoulder joint, and I bring that up nice and slowly with really good control. As I'm doing this, I can feel those muscles engaging. And if I were to do three to five rotations or repetitions of this, by the end of it, um, I'd feel a little bit tired in those shoulder, um, like in, in, in my shoulder muscles. And the reason being is that I'm engaging all of these stabilizing muscles that I don't normally engage in my day-to-day -day life. And so the idea is that by putting joints in the body through the full range of motion, and we do this for you know shoulders, our cervical spine, our thoracic spine, our lumbar spine, um, our hip joints, our knee joints, our ankle joints, our elbow joints, our wrist joints. Um, you can do it for your TMJs, uh, temporomandibular joints. Um, you can do this with all the uh, scapular uh, joints as well. Um, the 
we can do this with all the major joints in the body. And the, the benefits of this are, are manyfold. Um, one of which is that it brings more blood flow to the area, uh, which can help with tissue healing, keeping you know, the, the tissues as, as happy and healthy as possible there. It also engages the nervous system in the area, which is also good for just healthy tissue maintenance. And then also, I think another big benefit is that when we actually put our joints through their full range of motion, then our bodies are used to keeping those joints in the full range of motion. Things don't seize up as much, um, you know, tighten up as much. We're going to be less prone to having tight muscles and subsequent aches and pains and potential, um, uh, you know, deterioration of those joints in question. Um, also, you know, life is full of surprises and sometimes at least in uh, most parts of Canada um, at certain times of the year. And of course, in other places too, there's, there's ice on the ground um, and, you know, we might slip and fall or you're, you know, out there shoveling snow and you're in a big rush and, you know, or you're digging a hole or helping somebody with uh, renovations on the weekend or something, and you're, you know, plugging away with a hammer and you, you're doing that for, uh, you know, a couple hours and you haven't done it in years. And like, there could be repetitive strain things or, or injury things that might happen. And if our joints are not used to moving in certain motions, we're going to be much more likely to, you know, tweak a rotator cuff um, uh, tendon or uh, maybe sprain an ankle or break a hip or what have you. So um, kind of moving those joints um, uh, through their full range of motion and, and ideally doing it in a, way, in a way that is akin to the FRC methodology, I, I believe can be really helpful. Um, speaking from firsthand experience, I, I generally multitask with this when I'm playing with my kids, you know, if they're running around and not using me as a human jungle gym or engaging me in their, you know, endless, you know, make-believe games, which are lovely. Um, you know, I'll try to sneak in some um, FRC or, or during my residency meetings when my resident's talking to me about her cases, like I'll, I'll sneak in some of this as well. So trying to multitask when we're already busy with things. Um, but even, you know, one repetition per joint um, per day could be, um, uh, in my opinion, would be heck of a lot better than not doing it at all. So kind of a, a dovetailing on point number three, number four is just move your body. Um, that adage of if you don't use it, you'll lose it, um, in my opinion, is very true. And ideally, um, it says here within one's ability level, exercising for one to five minutes, three to five times a week is great. Now, um, as it says in italics, ideally doing, say, 30 to 45 minutes, three to seven times a week would be ideal. Now, when it comes to talking to folks about dealing with complex chronic illness and these types of recommendations, of course, I'm going to tailor that to what's going on with them. But even if it was a matter manner matter of okay, like please, you know, get up off the couch. Uh, you know, you're, you're have to lie down most of the time. You have terrible dysautonomia. You know, um, you have posture orthotactic tachycardia syndrome, or you're just so tired that if you overexert yourself even a little bit, you just feel awful for hours or days afterwards. Um, it may be something as simple as just do like a little bit of joint mobility, you know, some circle wrist circles while you're lying on the couch or, or try to like at least sit up every couple of hours and, you know, maybe move your neck and shoulders around a little bit. It could be something that minor, shall we say. Um, but of course, hopefully a lot of folks aren't quite that um, depleted and debilitated and they could do more than that. But finding the amount of physical activity that's tolerated um, and, and within reason to work with, um, I think is very important. So when I pass this handed on to my patients, as it says there at the bottom of this section, you know, please uh, talk to me about specifics because this is something that's more, more nuanced um, than some of the other ones. Um, number five is express gratitude. Um, it was, let me see here. I think, shoot, I'm losing track of my podcast, um, interviews. Um, anyways, I, it might've been 
shoot now i can't remember i think dr stacy baker talked about this um also uh dr nicole who i'm blanking on her last name right now because her handle on instagram i think is just dr nicole nd she's a naturopathic doctor as well uh, i believe the two of us uh or the the, the, th the three of us uh, spoke about that in our, our respective interviews um and maybe another um actually i believe dr jason west um who's my last most recent interview i believe we also talked about this um to, to some extent um there's this, uh, you know, it's a little cliche expression, but like having an attitude of gratitude, I think is really important. Um, it's something that I strive to do in my life. I, I do it, I mean, on a daily basis and strive to, you know, um, uh, express gratitude um, uh, as, as much as possible. Of course, you know, being polite and saying thank you for things and telling, you know, showing uh, appreciation to my wife and family members and patients and friends and all of that and expressing that super, super important, of course, to be doing those things on a regular basis. But um, even just like as a self, like, you know, introspective practice, um, trying to feel truly grateful for at least five things in your life once a day, I think is a, is a good practice to get into the habit of. And I realize that this is, for some folks, um, maybe for many folks could be a little bit of a triggering topic because some folks are just, you know, really devastated with the uh, impact uh, from the impact that chronic illness has had on their lives. And so I, I understand that it might be more difficult for some than others, but even, you know, something very uh, simple as, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I have this, you know, place to live, um, or maybe I've had some patients where they, they don't, you know, have a home, they, they, they have to couch surf and stay with friends and whatnot, because they can't afford to, they, they're not able to hold a job and it's that because they're too sick. Um, but even like, you know, I'm thankful that I have, you know, a place to rest my head at night. Um, that's not out in the elements. Um, you know, I'm thankful that there's, you know, there are good caring people in the world. Like it, it could be there, there should always be at least a few things that we can think of that we can be thankful for, even if our lives are very, very, very hard. And, and again, it's a spectrum. So, um, I know the majority of folks listening don't have it quite that challenging, um, but uh, like as, as challenging as like striving, struggling to find five things to be grateful for. But I think having the, that, um, uh, having that sort of practice of expressing gratitude, I believe can be really, really helpful. Um, so I think it's an important thing to consider working with. Um, and another pro tip, so multitask when you first wake up or falling asleep. So, you know, my own life, um, I, uh, as I'm, you know, the lights finally go off, you know, lying in bed, I tend to pass out pretty quick because, you know, probably a bit, a little bit underslept uh, than I should be because things are very busy, too many things to do, not enough hours in the day. Um, but, you know, as soon as the lights off, like I just, you know, run through my list of things that I'm thankful for. Um, and it's just a nice, like kind of meditative type of practice, you know, and if I'm not asleep by the time I, before I get to the end of my list, then maybe I'll do my, my deep breathing and, uh, you know, my, my focusing on my breathing and, uh, and kind of go from there. So it's, it's something that one can do when they're multitasking. I do it while I'm driving as well. Of course, uh, you know, paying attention to the road, but, uh, expressing gratitude as well, um, is you know, ways to multitask that. Uh, number six, um, again, can be a little bit triggering, uh, sometimes because sometimes, you know, for many folks, um, it's hard to just be able to do enough things for oneself, um, to, uh, you know, take care of yourself, you know, activities of daily living, or, you know, if you're able to work, but it's, you know, re really a struggle. I, I know that it's uh, easier said than done uh, for, for some folks, depending on their situation, but um, you know, whether it's, as it says here, something that's small, something medium or something big, um, helping others makes the world a better place and it'll make you feel good too. Um, but it might be something really, it, it could be something, you know, very small, very minor, um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't have to be like, you know, huge, you know, um, outlandish gestures or things like 
like that, or, you know, working at a food bank eight hours uh, a week or something like that. It could be something relatively small. So just a few examples I have listed here. So, um, you know, depending on your, your skill set, you could make something uh, for someone. Um, you could promote a local business on social media. So say, oh man, like I really love my local, you know, butcher or, um, you know, my local, this local, you know, artisan or whatever. It's like, just, you know, have just put out a little bonus post, um, you know, link to their website and say, Hey, everybody, like, I just want you to know, I really, you know, love these, these folks or, or write, you know, favorable reviews on their social media accounts or whatnot, uh, which, you know, hopefully it would be feasible. It doesn't cost anything to take some time, not a whole ton of energy, hopefully. I mean, of course there's folks who are electromagnetically sensitive out there. Um, and so maybe that's, that's easier said than done for them, but you know, most of us hopefully can, can, could say do something like that. Um, you know, if, if you have the energy and wherewithal and, and whatnot, uh, volunteering an hour uh, of one of your time, like say one hour per week or even one hour per month, uh, which might be something that could be done online, like saying, Hey, can I help out? I can't, you know, get out of the house easily or like I only have you know I've, I've got some health issues I can't actually come into the food bank or the um you know the the charity thrift store or the whatever it happened or the, the animal rescue or whatever it is but I, I'd like to donate some time like can I do you know some research for you can I um you know help with some networking can I do whatever it happens to be um and, and maybe see if there's some way to help if, if that's feasible um another example here you know calling a lonely family member or someone in your community and spending time with them or whatnot um so again even just something small it does help to make the world a better place um and as it says here like can make you feel good too um and I know uh, from talking to many, many patients with complex chronic illness over the course of time, um, a lot of folks feel like they're, um, you know, there's sort of this element of like, oh, like it's really frustrating and saddening because I feel like I'm not really contributing a whole lot. Like I'm not able to work or I'm not able to do all the things that I love and whatnot. Um, but by doing things like this, like it is something that can give um, uh, more of a sense of, of accomplishment and, and kind of helping with, um, yeah, again, just helping to make the world a better place. So just, just something to consider. All right, number seven. Um, so this one is uh, one that I, I I think is it, I think they're all important, but uh, this is another one that's uh, kind of a mindset switch um, sometimes, or in, in a sense. But I, I think it's something that can be quite helpful. So the this one is entitled "Choose to be healthy, don't be forced to be healthy." So when you choose to do something, it is empowering, whereas being forced um, to do something oftentimes will breed resentment and potential failure. Um, so let's look at a couple of examples to see what the heck I'm talking about. So one example would be, you know, I'm choosing, you know, say we're at, uh, you know, at a social event or something um, and to say, I'm choosing not to eat the chocolate cake because I prefer to feel good versus I can't eat the chocolate cake because it goes against my diet. So this is one that, you know, I've, um, I, I've had a modified diet for many years, um, you know, probably 20 five years ish or so now, um, which is it's, it's evolved over time. Um, but once upon a time it was, you know, oh man, like I'm, I'm just, you know, the, the go to say my, um, uh, family function, you know, my wife's family, um, lots of delicious food, lots of desserts, things like that. And it'd be like, oh, like the coach dessert times like, oh yeah, like I, I can't eat that. And like, it just kind of, creates, you know, I've, I'd feel a bit deprived and, you know, be kind of like, Oh, like there's, you know, there's Brian with his, his weird diet or whatnot. And he's, you know, never eating the junk food and this and that. Um, but, um, some years ago, I 
kind of changed my uh, language around it, kind of changed my mindset around it. It's like, oh, like I'm just not eating that because like I'm just, you know, not in the mood for it or I just don't want to eat that. And because I, I know that I'm going to feel better if I don't, you know, indulge in that. Now, I'm certainly not saying that um, it's, uh, I'm certainly not insinuating that it's not okay to like, you know, let your hair down, have some dessert here and there. Um, but if it comes down to like, oh man, like I know if I eat that, like I am going to have that skin breakout or my gut's going to get all cranky or I'm going to have diarrhea for the next two days or something. Um, kind of making that choice of like, oh, I want to choose to feel healthy as opposed to, oh, I just, I can't eat that because I'm not allowed to. Um, it's it's nice to have that empowering feeling. And it also can kind of change the energy or the vibe around what you're saying to the folks that you might be, like if there's, again, if it's a social, social event or or whatnot, or just with, you know, eating with family, even in one one's own, own household, be like, oh, like I'm just choosing not to do that because I just don't want to. I'd, I'd rather not eat it um, because I don't want to, uh, or I'm choosing not to for this or that reason, not because I, I can't do it or I'm not allowed to do it. All right, just a few more here. So um, challenge number eight is challenge yourself. So um, exiting, so I'll just read what it says here. Um, so exiting your comfort zone leads to more resilience, enhanced brain function and personal growth. That's physically, mentally, and or emotionally. Um, plus we get a nice boost of feel good neurotransmitters, no, namely uh, or notably dopamine. So for example, if we do cold exposure therapy um, to enhance your, uh, you could do cold exposure therapy. The example here is uh, you, uh, for, for my patients, like, oh, talk to me if you're interested in this, we could do some cold exposure therapy to enhance your mitochondrial function. So um, cold exposure therapy is probably a classic example of getting out of your comfort zone because it's distinctly uncomfortable to be exposed you know, to excessive amounts of cold. Um, but we know from research literature, it's really good for us. It helps to reduce inflammation levels. It's good for our mitochondrial function. It helps to stimulate new mitochondrial function. It's good for our metabolism and tissue healing and this and that. Uh, helps to raise dopamine levels um, if you know done at certain temperatures and whatnot. Um, and so um, that would be an example of like, oh, I'm going to challenge my body with this or that. Now, cold exposure therapy isn't necessarily appropriate for everyone at every stage of their you know health journey, but uh, just as an example of of kind of a physical challenge that can be uh, lead to benefit. Another example would be taking a class in something that sounds challenging, um, whether it's, you know, learning a language or I don't know, do, doing something. I, I took up uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, a little over a year ago, and that is very challenging in many ways, um, but it's been, yeah, really great addition to my life. So, um, uh, uh, so taking a class or, or something to that effect. Another example would be stopping screen time 15 minutes earlier, even though you don't want to, um, and as I say here, perhaps to do some of the healthy habits, you know, on this list. So I'm going to stop my screen time 15 minutes earlier um, because um, I want to do my deep breathing or I'm going to do some movement or I'm going to call up my lonely uncle or something like that, to, you know, kind of doing a good deed in that way. Um <clears throat> So, uh, you know, we, we've all been there, I'm sure or the majority of us have, have been there, you know, scrolling through social media or watching that, you know, next episode on Netflix or something like that. And it's like, ah, oh, like, I just be so nice to just like keep watching that. It's like, no, I'm going to stop. I'm just going to actually like kind of go outside of my comfort zone. I'm going to like, no, I'm just going to turn the phone off and do something else. Or I'm going to not watch that next episode and I'm going to go do this thing. And by doing that, it um, gives this, you know, feeling of empowerment. You get that nice little dopamine hit and maybe can go off and do something that's arguably more productive or more beneficial than, you know, looking at that next meme with cats or babies or whatever it happens to be. 
Uh, number nine is um, avoiding chemicals. Um, chemicals are bad for you and the people around you. And uh, some of the examples would include scented products. Uh, now, things that are scented with essential oils, to my understanding, are okay. But artificially scented products, like as listed here, cologne, perfume, scented deodorant, room fresheners, uh, dryer sheets, laundry detergents, hand soaps, shampoo, baby soap. Um, they're all just those um, artificial scents. They are chemicals. They are bad for us. And they're also bad for the people around us. I, I feel like I'm going to step up on a little bit of a soapbox here. Um, it's just, I've seen the really sometimes devastating effects that chemicals can have on folks with multiple chemical sensitivities or other, you know, um, persisting health issues. And it's just, I really wish one of my hopes for the world to be just to have like a global awareness that like, oh, when I put on that cologne, um, it's toxic for me putting it on. And it also might be really, to well, it's toxic for the people around me. And it might be really, really bad for the other people who are in the movie theater with me or the restaurant with me or whatnot. I mean, nothing against the, the good folks in the perfume and cologne industry and whatnot, but like, it is just really bad for us. Um, and I, I really wish that those things would just go away because it'd be better for society as a whole, in my opinion, our health as a whole. It's enough chemicals as it is. We don't need these as well. Um, and that's true of all these other different products as well. So um, I know many of the folks listening are probably already on, have already drank the Kool-Aid about like, yeah, I'm going to stay away from chemicals because I know they're bad for me. But in case that's something that hasn't um, crossed your, uh, uh, been brought to your attention yet, um, it's, it's a good idea, in my opinion, to avoid those artificial scented products um, the same would be true of um, cleaning products trying to stick with things that are, are naturally derived so uh, again for folks just listening i'll just read here so strive to purchase um, cleaning products from a supplement store or the health food section of your grocery store or use just natural cleaners like vinegar and water and things like that um, as, as appropriate of course um, always you know double check to make sure it's not going to you know ruin your anti-china cabinet or whatever it happens to be but um, trying to use non-chemical uh, cleaners would be a better choice um, and then trying to avoid pesticides. So um, as it says here, whoops, it easy on the handout, um, you know, local and organic is best, but it's not always an option. Um, there's a group called the Environmental Working Group. They have something called the Dirty Dozen List, which is that every year they publish this and it's the 12 most heavily sprayed uh, or most heavily pesticide laden um, uh types of produce that are out there. So at the very least, trying to avoid those are getting spray-free alternatives. And there, there's a link to the um, to the Dirty Dozen there, but it's just um, the Environmental Working Group website is um, ewg.org. Um, and then in terms of cookware, um, as it says here, avoid heating food in plastic, um, avoid non-stick uh, non pans. Um, so cast iron or stainless steel are, are ideal because of the chemicals in there as well. And so the very last item here, and not to say that this is an, an exhaustive list, but uh, 10, 10 is a pretty good number. It's a nice round, or nice round number. Um, the last one is eat healthy food when you're hungry. Um, and so as I say here, hopefully we've discussed this in office already. Again, this is you know uh, directed at my patients, um, but if we haven't had time yet, please ask me. So um, at, at the end of the day, there are always going to be exceptions when it comes to diet. And I certainly don't make sweeping recommendations across the board, but um, uh, as a general rule, unless a patient has a you know history of an eating disorder or some other thing that might be going on, some other, you know, kind of complicating diagnosis. Um, generally speaking, if we eat healthy food when we're hungry, then that tends to lead to, you know, healthier body composition, better energy levels. If we're eating when we're not hungry, it's kind of giving your body um, a present that you didn't want. You know, it's like, oh, somebody gave me, you know, this 
really ugly sweater. And now like you've given me a chore to do to like, you know, go to the mall to, um, you know, return that, um, you know, so it's kind of like, ah, oh, thanks for the gift. But, you know, it's like, do I want to drive, you know, all the way across town and, you know, not to be ungrateful for ugly sweaters or anything like that, but just the, the gist of it is if you're eating when you're not hungry, your body's like, oh, like, why did you give me this thing? Because it takes energy, it takes resources for the body to process food. And so if we eat when we're not hungry, when we just eat when the clock tells us to, um, then that can sometimes lead to problems with blood sugar regulation, you know, uh, body mass composition, um, sometimes digestive issues. Um, uh, and anyways, the, it's the, uh, it, it can be an important thing to consider. Um, uh, for a lot of folks, I find that the, 